Welcome to War Games, hosted by the sales genius Joe Ingram. If you're looking to win the sales battle, then you have joined the right team. In the War Games group, we devise strategies for sales, marketing, branding, mindset, and attitude. We enlist the assistance from the most successful producers across all industries. We then share their knowledge and techniques with you. Our single goal is to get you ready for your next sales opportunity. When it comes to crossing the minefield of sales, step in the footprints of those that have crossed before you. Now, prepare yourself for boot camp and beyond. It's time for the war games to begin. Welcome war gamers and those of you listening to the excerpts on the Sales Genius Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome in Brian Will. Brian Will's impressive journey includes being a best-selling author, a serial entrepreneur with over 35 years of experience. So he's got me a little bit beat on the experience as an entrepreneur, okay? Uh, but an industry titan, and he's known for sales and negotiation, which what better in War Games Group and Sales Genius Podcast is to actually have someone who's an expert in sales and negotiations. So he came out with a new book. It's called No. We'll just stop at that part right there. It's called No, right? But it is No, but it's the psychology of sales negotiation, and it offers... 40 different tips. And I asked Brian to come on, share with us a little bit about himself and teach us some of the stuff that we can get and then let us know where to go get this book. And I've already got the link for you. So we're going to go ahead and do that. First, we're going to bring up Amy Lee. Amy Lee is there smiling and dialing in the back. So guys, understand Amy Lee's VIP up on the screen. She's been uh, off and away for a little while, but we're welcome to have her back here. And now I'm going to bring Brian Will up onto the stage. Brian, all right, I already love the back, backdrop. That's that's amazing. We, could, we already know subliminally now we know we have to execute. There's failure and success. So fantastic. Welcome to the show, Brian. Joe and Amy, thanks for having me. I love this title, War Games, and being an 80s child, I totally get it. Just love it. <laughs> exactly. I always said I could fight all the salespeople that think it's a battle to go get the money from the customer, or I can just join them and we'll teach them different once they come inside. So salespeople are warriors at heart, so it fits. <laughs> exactly correct. So give us a little bit about you as far as what puts you through. 35 years being an entrepreneur, being an industry leader, being the guy that everybody looks to had to have some benefit to it, I'm hoping. I'm sure it was all just success, right? Yeah, I wish. Uh, <laughs> I've failed more than I've succeeded in life. But uh, yeah, my background for the last 35 years has been building companies. I opened my first one when I was 21. I uh, built seven franchises in the landscaping industry, moved to insurance, built an insurance nice. call center that we sold uh, to a venture capital firm. Um, it's called Connecture Today. It went public and back private. Did another online insurance uh, platform that uh, we sold to another venture capital firm. That one um, now powers, I think, nine different states on the state-based exchange for buying health insurance. Did another company doing lead gen, which turned out to be, it originally was a support company doing online lead generation for our companies. Turned out to be the biggest one. We sold it to a private equity group. That was an $80 million exit. 
then went into consulting and sales and management for Fortune 500 companies, primarily in the insurance industry, have done okay. billions and billions of dollars in sales through our training programs, wrote the books, two Wall Street Journal bestsellers, got into politics. Today, I own a real estate company. I own a restaurant chain. And my latest uh, venture is this uh, small business accelerator, we call it, working with uh, young entrepreneurs on building and scaling businesses. And by young, I don't mean age young. I just mean <laughs> new to the business. New yes. to the business world. Yeah. So that's new kind of my background. Being their own boss. Yes. Yep. And I, that right there, very commendable because most of us just bootstrap it, wing it, jump in the middle of it. So to have someone that could actually map out the process for you and say, here, this is what you do. Absolutely. So thank you for that. JR's already already brought up. It's going to be sales gold listening to you. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. So I want to throw a banner up on the screen. Why? Because if I forget sometime, it's not going to be good. So Brian Will Media is where you can go. Not right now, because you got to listen to them first and let's hear what it is. So you, I do have plenty of people that are in the insurance industry that are they're going to be watching this on the replays and going through. Um, we do have automotive. We have entrepreneurs that have their own businesses that are going to be watching. Plus, we're live out there on LinkedIn. And we know LinkedIn's filled with a lot of business owners that are out there that need some assistance. And sales and negotiation, I find negotiation is one of the hardest parts for a lot of people to get through because they think it's rude or they think that there's something wrong when they have to negotiate. And not all of us can just be a fast food restaurant where nobody asks for a discount. They just pay right. the menu price. Yep. So I'd love to turn it over to you and say, let's drop some, some wisdom, some gold nuggets from Brian Will. You know, uh, Joe, I find sales is sales, no matter what industry you're in. And when I wrote the last book, and it's it's called The Psychology of Sales and Negotiation, because sales is really about the psychology. And we talk about the psychology of you as the salesperson and the way you're going to uh, manage your sales process. But it's also about the psychology behind the person that you're selling to. It's what are they thinking? Why are they thinking? How are they thinking? And how do you use and adapt that? to move whatever sales process you have going forward. Okay. So we start with that. So when we talk about sales, we talk about really my whole book is based on these four key areas, right? The five keys to master sales closing. And then there's overcoming objections, but unlike most programs, it's overcoming objections before the client has it. And that is really the key. And then there's not just active listening, but what we call connective response, right? It's one thing to actively listen, but you need to take your response and make that connection with the person you're talking to. And then the last one is, and this is where a lot of salespeople get tripped up. I call it the more you talk, the less they hear, right? And I take people through these little drills where I prove that if you're in a sales situation, they're only hearing about 30% of what you're saying. So the more you talk, the less they hear. And the problem is the part they didn't hear might be the most important part. And if that happened, you've lost that person in the sales process. And we do things like pause for effect and check-ins and all that kind of stuff. So those are really the big five, the four areas that we focus on. And uh, if you want to break those down, I can go ahead and break those down for you. So what I would love to say is I don't want to give away the book, right? So, so what I want, for, if you could touch on each one of the four, just the 10,000 foot yep. level so they can go through um, my other uh Brian Galkey's typically co-host with us here. He's glad he's not on because then he'd have to answer every time I was talking to you, Brian. <laughs> so, so Brian, I'm talking to Brian. Brian, it's Brian. Yeah. So and my yeah, other so, brother, Daryl. 
yeah. we when we talk about the five keys to, to to master closing, and most of these you've heard, right? The customer needs to like you. They need to trust you. You need to come across as a professional. You need to make sure that they believe you're looking out for their best interest. And you do all those things by making a connection with the client. So that's really one we call it macro level point. Okay. The second one is the overcoming objections part, right? But unlike most sales programs who tell you that you, you know, build your over, you're overcoming your objection sheet and all your objection responses. I tell people, if you're overcoming objections at the end of the sales process, you've probably already lost the client. Okay. You need to have figured out what those were and overcame them, overcame them during what we call the fact finding process. In fact, what we tell people is. I got that text right now going, can you ask him how you overcome it before it gets there? Yep, this is easy. So I will tell you that in any sales situation or any sales or product or service or organization, your sales team, if they've been doing it for any amount of time, probably already knows what the four, five or six common objections are that you get every single time. Right. You know what they are. And if you and if you haven't if you haven't verbalized or written them down. Take some time and sit down and say, okay, this is the objection we get every single time. And if we know we're going to get these objections, let's build a sales process around those objections so that we can identify and overcome them during the fact-finding process so that we don't have to deal with them at the end, right? And I always tell people, we do that through what we call a series of specific and then general scripting, right? There are specific things that you have to say because we know what the first objection is. I'll get to that. And then there are general scripting things that you work through the process based on what those objections are, right? So I tell people, most salespeople fail to understand the very first objection that they're dealing with. They're so worried about the, well, I don't have the money or the time, or I'm going to do this later. They forgot the very first objection. And the very first objection is the very second that that client lays eyes on you or you open your mouth, they don't like you. And it's not that they don't like you personally. You're probably a great guy probably teach Little League on the weekends. You got kids, you hang out, you have part. But when you put that sales hat on, they no longer like you, trust you, or believe you, right? They can't so, afford to. So right? if they, because they think, here, it's not that they don't really even like you, it's that they're afraid of you, right? And they're afraid of being sold. Nobody wants to be sold. I don't want to, don't sell me something that's more than what I should pay for it or something I don't want. I know you magic salespeople have this voodoo you cast on everybody that make us do things we don't want to do. So right. I don't want to be sold and I'm afraid of the unknown. I'm afraid of what you're about to do to me. So I've got my wall of mistrust that's between me and you. You're the client, I'm the salesperson. There is a wall of mistrust immediately, right out of the gate. And your job as a salesperson is to figure out how to bring that wall down, if not all the way, at least partially, so that you can open the client up to actually having a conversation. But if you don't understand that objection and you're launching right into your sale, your clients stand in the background with their dukes up. They're ready to fight you. They're ready to you know, stick and move and try to get around whatever you're doing and watch out for that voodoo. So we build a specific script at the beginning of your sales process to overcome the very first objection. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So yeah. in, in our, in our case, we do something like, hey, Joe, listen, um, I understand you're looking for insurance or you're looking for solar or you're looking for, let me tell you what I need to do. I'm going to need to ask you a whole bunch of questions. And then based on the answers to those questions, you and I are going to make a determination on whether my product or my service actually fits with what you need. And if it does, I'll run over pricing, I'll run over your options, and then we're going to let you decide if this is something you want to move forward with. Now, is that fair enough? It does. It sounds great. 
And so what I've done is I've explained the unknown. I've made a verbal contract. This is what we're going to do. We're going to move through this process, right? I'm not going to sell you something. I'm just going to give you pricing and options if what we have fits. And then I'm going to let you decide. And so I'm over, I'm trying to bring that wall of mistrust down and his, his responses. And I always say, is that fair enough? Cause I want to get that affirmation. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's fair enough. And as long as I stick to that contract I just made with that client, then I launch into my fact finding phase. I already know those objections. I start building scripting around those to figure out what they're going to be. And we start to build trust. We start to build likability. This is where we get into, uh, connective responses from our active listening. Too many salespeople are so busy talking that they're not listening, right? And I always, when we do role-playing with, with salespeople, I always say, I always throw weird things at them to see if they'll react, right? So Joe, uh, is, that your, is that your wife, your girlfriend, or both? And it's a stupid thing to say, but it gets them back on their, well, that's my wife. I'm just messing with you, man. I, I, I got it. But if I get him to smile a little bit, I get him to make a connection, right? Like I know Amy's from Savannah and I'm from Georgia. We talked a little bit about that before you came on. You're out in California and she said you're paying more taxes than both of us combined. Just, you know, true. these are just we're, little- we're all fruits and nuts out here in California. Yeah, it's just, you, so. you got to figure out how to make that connection so that that client begins to like you, right? And then you use these connective responses. And if you can do that and overcome those objections, by the time you get to the end of your sales process, it's not a matter of having to close them. If you've done all your- check-in, your pulse for effect, your affirmations, they will have closed themselves by the end of the sale. Right. And it's that just process is specific. progression. It's an, hey man, based on, so basically you told me you needed this. Does this look like it'll fit? Yes. And I've already given you my price range of 5,000 to 10,000. And you said you were comfortable in the 7,000 range. So are you still comfortable in the 7,000 range? Yes. Well, it sounds like we've answered all your questions. You want to go ahead and write this up? It, it's not even a close. It's just Right. You've, you've already told me you want it. It's so obvious you have to proceed that right, if you didn't, it would be weird. Be an objection. Yes. Right. It'd be weird if you didn't. And this right. is what we do in our coaching and programs. We we build these scripts, we build these processes, and then we train these salespeople and then we role play the hell out of them until they've got it just rolling. Off. I always say, I always tell people, look, I need to be able to wake you up out of a dead sleep and you can do this without thinking. And that's when we know you're a closer. Right. Absolutely. I always explain because you may find this different than me, but I always find the role play is the hardest part for everyone to participate in. Right. They're always like, I don't want to. It feels weird and I don't want to do it. I'm like, there's no money on the line right now. Let's practice. Let's get the words out. The best part about role playing is doing it in front of the other salespeople so that they can all make fun of you. And then you get to sit back down and make fun of them. And so everybody it's like this. You know, we're making a connection within our group doing it as, as well. So, right. It's the iron sharpens iron. And you just want to make sure you're not the dullest blade. So, <laughs> yep. Okay. So one of the, one of the questions came in that just said, um, during your fact finding and addressing the objection, how do you overcome the price objection for whatever product you're selling? Cause it could be yours. It could be something else. I know a lot of times if you're in insurance, you're quoting the, the price from the insurance provider. And, yep. So you know, if we know that this is an objection and I can use insurance, if you'd like, Please. what I'll, gen I'll generally tell people is, listen, uh, when I need to ask you a bunch of questions, one of the questions I'm going to ask you is, you know, the plans I have available for you are going to run from about 200 to about a thousand dollars a month. 
at 200 is extremely basic and at a thousand it is my top of the line cadillac neiman marcus so the question is where are you at within my range now i do that because what we never ever ever ask people ever is what is your budget that is the worst question in the world and i always ask people when they say well what do you mean and they say well listen have you ever been down to buy a car at a car lot and the salesperson asked you what your budget was did you tell them the truth or did you lie you lied you lied so if i know the client's gonna lie about their budget why would i ask them instead I'm going to give them my range. My range is 500 to 1,000 or whatever it is. Let them decide where they want to be in the budget. And that way I don't have to worry about this. If the objection comes out, well, that's too expensive. Okay, well, you told me you were at 500. You know, I have this $400 product. Is that one the one that you want to talk about? Or, you know, help me out here. But if you've already established where they are in your range, I've got a bottom and a, and a top, then we have overcome the objection of I can't afford it. And if they come out, and by the way, I asked that question very early on because one of the other things we know about sales, Joe, I don't know if you know this, but nobody ever closes 100%. I read about that somewhere. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I haven't experienced it. <laughs> and so if we know you're not going to close 100%, I would literally rather figure out immediately if this is a valid client or if I can take my valuable time and move on to somebody who can actually buy as opposed to sitting here trying to convince somebody who can afford 200 that they need to buy my $500 product. Okay. Um, question that came in too, which is, are, are you actually giving the range of low and high or is it padded? No, I actually give the range of low and high. People generally will not come in at the low end. Uh, they'll come in in the middle. And the reason I like that is because if we do get to the end and they start to hesitate with me, I can do what we call drop back and punt. So, right. okay, everything sounded good and we we're at $800 and you're still struggling. Let me ask you a question. Thank I also you. have this program at 500. It's not quite as good as the 800, but would you be more interested in hearing about those benefits as opposed to the one you originally told me? And what we know is if they say yes, 800 was a lie and they can't afford it and they're really at five. If they right. say no, I'm, the 800 is fine, but I'm not ready to do something. Then in my mind either, I screwed up the fact finding or there's another issue that I haven't figured out, right? And I always yeah. say, you have to be careful in your fact finding. And this gets back to the more you talk, the less they hear, okay? And I always use this example, and I, I do this with groups all the time. And I'll say, and let me do it with Joe and Amy. Ready? This is a great little drill. This is how I prove that people don't remember everything you say, okay? So here's what I'm going to do, guys. I'm going to say 10 things, and you're going to repeat them back to me. And this is going to take like 10 seconds, not 20 minute sales pitch. It's 10 okay. seconds, right? It's going to be, let's see, I'll write them down. Don't write them down. 42, 17, 31, 109, chicken, 74, 86, 92, 8. Now, can you remember all that? Yeah, I got chicken. That's, and that's exactly the point. 42, 17, 109. 52. Eight was at the end. But what do you both remember? Most of it. Chicken. Chicken. Chicken the one I, outlier. I, I have people that I've trained for years and years and years, and they see me and they go, oh, yeah, chicken. chicken. The point of the drill is this. If you are in a sales presentation or if you're just talking to somebody and you're you say something to them that's either technical, industry jargon, something they don't understand. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they say something you don't understand? What does your brain do? It stops. 
It stops and it starts trying to figure out what they said. And while your their brain is trying to figure out what you said, you're still talking. And by the way, they're not listening to you anymore. And by the time they do re-engage, they're now playing catch up, trying to figure out what you just said that they missed. And now they haven't heard anything you've said. And by the time you get to your done with your 20-minute pitch, they're still confused because they lost half the conversation. And now when you say, are you ready to do this? And they go, well, I'm not quite sure. I'm guessing you probably lost them someplace. You failed to do what we call pause for effect and check in and continue to yeah. do it through the sales process. This is a very... It's not an advanced technique, but some people do this very naturally and some people don't. But that, right. I, I promise you, if you and I talk a year from now, you'll remember chicken. You might not remember anything else I said, but chicken will stick with you because it's weird. It's different. And and Ernest says he lies to every car salesman that he talks to. <laughs> exactly. He typed, he typed like, because I'm a, I'm a car sales guy, <laughs> so he likes me. That's why he put it there. But then he corrected himself, but... So, yeah. And then uh, we got JR is loving what he's hearing. Ernest loves the fact that you're out here to talking. So one of the things I want to point out is that for everybody listening, this is one of the one of my favorite ones to listen to is Brian, because everything he's saying is simple. Not one of us is sitting here going, well, I could never do that except for the list of numbers. Right. That was there. But. We look at it and he everything he's saying is so simple. The thing you have to do at this point is get past that it's so simple and actually execute, right? Top one over there on the mm -hmm. right behind him, right? You gotta execute and, and go forward on that. So I love the perfect example and you, you have knocked out the park with exactly what you were saying. Cause again, we stopped as we went through. So we're gonna go through, we're closing. Right. We're building our objections in. We're overcoming the objection before we get it. Right. Right. During our fact finding as it comes through. Right. And they hear less when you talk more. Fantastic. OK. And so, so many sports ball <laughs> references. Here's another one, Joe. I'll give you another one. that one. People, yes. people, people don't get sometimes. Right. So one of the objections you get all the time is timing. And so one of the questions are, or, or I, I got it from my competition, your competition's cheaper. I go ahead and address that right out of the gate. Hey, by the way, Joe, I know you're looking for XYZ. Have you shopped anyplace else? Oh, yeah, I shopped at uh, Joe's shop down the street. I mean, that's a great shop. I mean, why didn't you buy from them? And you'd be surprised. They'll tell you. And by the way, right. you've just picked up another set of objections to overcome. Or Joe's got good pricing. What pricing were you at down there? Oh, well, they were going to charge me 5000 Okay. Well, my pricing, you know, and you build that into your objection. You're overcoming your objections. So great salespeople ask questions, make connective responses, then use that information as they go through the process. The more questions I ask, the more reasons you'll tell me why you are or not going to buy. And then that's what I focus on. Absolutely. And everyone needs to be writing down the words connective responses. Okay. Cause I love when you, you started out cause I'm taking notes on the screen. That's when my eyes dart away. Right. <laughs> Cause I got notepad up going crazy. But when you look at it, you said you have specific scripting mm -hmm. and then you have general scripting. Yes. Right. And so general scripting would be the, you're going through the product and it's the stuff you're required to say, that comes in. The specific is how you're actually tackling any of the objections or any of the things that they have told you that's unique to that customer. That's yes. the way I, I'm taking it yep. as it comes in. But in looking at everything you're laying out, 
the answer is, and what I loved was I give the range in the beginning. So if yep. you're giving the range, the person that goes, whoa, to even your lowest number when you start, that's Gone. not your prospect. Gone. Right? Moving on. Don't waste your time with the yep. practice of going through everything. And, and when you put that out, I was like, okay, this could stop so many people because what is the frustration part of negotiating is your win-loss ratio. Yep. And if you're going to continue past the first red flag to go continue and take a loss because you didn't step away in the beginning and bow out of the ring and go, yeah, no, I, I can't fight this little dude who's in the wrong weight class. You know, and that's, that's people think doing. that they have to sell everybody. They don't. They're not going to. I love to walk into an organization and the first words out of my mouth are usually, I'm here to tell you your leads suck. And it, it, all the salespeople go, I've been saying this all along. If, you know, yeah, I'm telling, see, somebody's finally agreed with me. And I said, no, no, that you don't understand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if your organization has a 20% close rate, 80% of your leads suck. But what we're going to teach you how to do is move through the people that aren't going to buy so you can focus on the 20% that will. The faster I can move you through people, as long as your close ratio stays in the ballpark of where it needs to be, I'm going to teach you how to move through those no's faster. We call it learning what a no is. And that way you will make more money. The company will make more money. I've never seen a company say, listen, your closing percentage is on the money, but you're using too many leads. We need you to make less money for us. Nobody says that. They're like, oh my God, this guy's closing 20%. Feed that guy leads. Feed that woman leads. Go, 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 go. Right? So right. teaching people what a no is. You know, right. the, the person doing 10%, we funnel some off of them, give it to the 20%. Until, 100%. So you, you can't get to 20 anymore because you have too many opportunities. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's 100%. not fair. We're not, we're not here to be fair. We're here to sell. Yeah. That's exactly right. No, that's perfect. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the book. What pushed you to say, I'm going to go write this book besides you had tremendous success before with writing books? You know, it's interesting. I'd finished that second book. I was out in Park City because I tend to write when I'm someplace else. So I ski in and I finished the book and I went to dinner and I was proud of myself that I'd sent it to the editor and I'm sitting at dinner and I was sitting there and I just thought to myself, I'm not done. I got, I got, I got to write another book. And then this time we got to focus on sales because I see the exact same mistakes that all salespeople make over and over and over. And, and it's not that they don't know their product or their industry. It's that they are missing the psychology piece, right? I love this one. I, Joe, you said you're in car sales. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Uh, when you go into the car lot or somebody comes onto the car lot and they say, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a Buick. Do you say, you know what? Here's the owner's manual. I need you to read this first. <laughs> and then when you finish reading the owner's manual, I'm going to take you back to the finance department. And we're going to talk about uh, interest rate derivatives and show you the 32 page contract. That's all on one big long sheet. And right. then, and then we're going to let you test drive the car. Yeah. Nobody does that. Nope. Because that's not how you sell car. It's not how you sell anything. You get Correct. them to emotionally fall in love with whatever it is that you're selling. In the case of a car, if I'm buying a Mercedes, they're like, what color? You want the 300, the 500 series, leather interior? Yep. Let's take that baby for a ride. We might even ride around your neighborhood so you can show off to your friends and neighbors how cool you look in your new car. And by the time you get back, you've fallen in love. And then we start talking about the details. Too many salespeople think they have to educate the client on every single thing. And it's just not that important. Yeah, and it's not. And I mean, how many of us have got an update on our phone or went to go buy something and it popped up and said, you have to hit agree. 
right? How many of us are going to a website and it pops up and says, accept cookies, yes or no? How many of us go click and read every cookie they're trying to track? Nope. Right? We don't. Yep. Yep. We just go, yep, and move forward. And go so we teach we teach them. salespeople, find four or five things that are emotional, make them fall in love with whatever it is you sell. When we sold insurance, it was the deductible, it was the copay, and then it was how much money I was saving you based on what you're already what you already have or what you thought you were having, right? We sold value and savings in the insurance business. So Amy so, Lee used to suck at this, but now she understands getting them emotionally involved, right? And they have to want it. They got to, yeah, but they don't want it if you're handing them the owner's manual. No, I, they want the outcome. For your insurance they, folks, I had my top salesperson and a new person in a room years ago. And the new person said, I need to understand every single thing. I need to understand the max out of pocket and how it affects them. And I turned around to the top salesperson. I said, Molly, can you explain the max out of pocket? And she goes, what? I said, thank you. <laughs> I agree with you. My, my thing is, and again, I think we're, we're on the same page because as you said, sales is sales, right? I always tell them, I say, look, to me, the definition of sales is providing somebody with a logical explanation to justify their emotional decision. So yep. I, 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 I'm so into it and I so want the outcome. Just give me what I would tell somebody, right? To, to, to say, this is why I did it and yep. let it go from there. But, but yes, you got to no. ask those questions so you can get to that point. But yes, it's all about the questions. Right. So Ernest threw up a paragraph. He likes to type. He types fast, right? <laughs> so um, he says, that's what I've been telling my team members. Close the buyers. Don't waste time on the 80% who aren't interested, right? And I'm going to I'm gonna point out to you, and it's exactly why I do the War Game Show. And the whole reason Brian is here, because they're parent deaf to you, okay? Yes, exactly <laughs> your whole, right. Your whole 100%. team is going, yeah, yeah, he's going to tell me don't do that. And then Brian will walk in and go, dude, Forget the 80%, go for the 20 and they'll be like, oh my goodness. I never thought of that. That's genius. You'll have to <laughs> listen to them for the next two days. Talk about the, the genius that Brian dropped on them while you have to sit there and go, I want the outcome. I want the outcome. Don't Just like them. your kids, man. Your kids don't listen to you, but they'll listen to the neighbor. Tell yeah. them the same thing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's true. But that's exactly it. So, um, he also threw in there, know how to segment your buyers so you sift the wheat from the chaff. So. Yeah, so we we call this, uh, I, I love doing this too. I ask sales organizations when we first walk in, I'll say, what is your goal in the sales process? What is your goal? And they'll be like, well, uh, I need to sell my product. Right? And they need to say yes. And I'm like, no, that's, that's actually wrong. Because if that's your goal, then you are failing 80% of the time. And you're a loser failure 80% of the time. Why would you want to do that to yourself? That's right. not the goal. If you remember, we're trying to teach you how to get through the no's. Your goal right. in the sales process to get a yes, I want to buy your product. No, I do not want to buy your product. Or a clear direction of something that you have to, to come back to them with at a later date. That's, that's your funnel, right? It's a right. yes, no, or it's a funnel person. But you got to understand the no so that you're not filling your funnel up with a bunch of garbage who's never going to buy. Right. And as a sales manager or sales leader, I love this one too. I always set people back on this one. If you're a sales manager, sales leader, sales director, your only job in that organization, your only job is to make your team better. Because every organization runs on sales. Without sales, we don't have a company. 
And that means the only people that generate revenue are the sales team. They are in the income column and everybody else, including that sales manager, is generally an expense. Yep. Right. They're an expense. So if you're a sales manager or sales director and you're not teaching and training your people how to be better and get higher close numbers, what are you doing? Right. And again, that's the, the, the biggest thing is, right? I always tell everybody, your job is to find the buyers, right? Find the buyers. Go dig yep. through there and find the buyers. That's where I want you to spend your time. Yep. Do you have to do a lot of annoying follow-up stuff to go in there? Well, yeah, because not everybody's opening every email you you send. Not everybody is answering every call the first time you make it, right? 93% of them are reading the text message that came in. But is it something compelling enough for them to to engage with you? So yep, now, yep, yep. So, Amy Lee, any questions specifically for Brian? She did say she's a killer closer. I have a really good closer and I have more leads than I know what to do with. And they're probably very qualified. And Joe knows this. He's always like, do these three things. And I'm like, and so (laughs) my question is, as an entrepreneur who happens to be an introvert and how, how do, how do I move people into the, how do we get people to raise their hand? I guess is the question. Like what's a good strategy for getting people to raise their hand? Yes, this is me. Yes, this is aligned. When most of the time it's just like, there really are no differentiators between the audience. They all just kind of hang out. And it's like, we don't really know anything about them until we start asking questions. Yeah, it really depends. runs very large Facebook groups. Okay. So she has a bunch of groups of, she has an audience, which a lot of people have a problem with developing an audience. She doesn't. So, and she yeah. likes God beans. It depends on that audience and it depends on how you're connecting with them. It depends on what the product and service is. And then it depends on you sitting down and saying, okay, maybe you sit down and you say, well, the last 50 people that uh, were po- uh, reacted positively to what I'm offering, this was the reason why. This is how they got to me and this is what I did. And then building a scripting around that and start using that to focus on the rest of the people. So I don't understand what I don't understand what you're selling and what the product is and what the lead source is. So I can't really give you a two more more of a specific answer than that. But again, this gets back to who's the audience, why are they reacting? And when they are reacting, uh, what are they doing? And then using that to build that sales process around. And, and it can be as simple as saying, I'll give you an example. You know who Dan Martell is? He's a big coach. Guy does like $2 million a month in coaching. He's huge. He does uh, coaching in the SaaS business, computer SaaS business. Yeah. And he responded to me. Uh, I linked in with him and he responded, hey, you know, uh, thanks for connecting. Are you just enjoying the videos I put out or do you have a business that's that's growing? And I and I've, I said, no, I'm just uh, building my own business, you know, doing this and that and whatever. And later, yada. And I got to thinking about that for a minute because I responded to that. Right. And I thought, well, if I respond to that, I wonder if other people would. This this literally happened two weeks ago. This and is so great. <laughs> I literally, because people hit me on LinkedIn and Facebook every single day. Like, I want to yep. connect with you. I want to connect. And so the, I just, the next person that clicked on, I said, hey, thanks for connecting. Are you looking to grow your business? Got a response. I was like, holy crap. And then I got another one and another one. And I set five calls for coaching clients within three days by simply figuring out that that's what Dan did. Hey, thanks for connecting. You just interested in my, uh, my content or are you looking to grow your business? And people responded like that. Oh, that's great. I, I'm not a genius. I just copy good. 
That's fantastic. So, so maybe that's what you need to figure out, Amy. Figure out what that little simple thing is. And oh, that's beautiful. That oh, it really doing... is because I have 197 friend requests pending yeah. right now because I'm like, they all just want to sell me something. But what if I beat them to the punch? Literally, accept somebody and say, "Hey, are you here because I'm awesome, or is it because no, literally?" Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I'm awesome and I'm an '80s child. Yeah, right. Just barely. <laughs> <laughs> Brian found the internal chat. Yes. Okay. So Brian's got the book, which is no, you can find them. His second book as well, which is the dropout multimillionaire. I mean, if there's ever a title to make you pick it up, that <laughs> one's phenomenal. Okay. That goes in there. So I would encourage everybody go to Brian will media. You see it across the screen. It's been there all the, all the way through, but I need you to understand there's, there's genius in what he's sharing with you. And understand for anything to come down as simple and easy to apply is the definition of genius. Taking something complex and converting it into something easily understood is a gift Brian possesses. And Can I say a- something? Can I just real quick? This is just a comment and maybe a piece of feedback that would be really helpful to you, Brian. One of the things I really love about your energy, you come at this from such an even keel place. Sales can be so emotional. It can be so volatile. There can be so much story built into it. And, and you can, you can very, like a lot of people come at sales from a very like high energy place that kind of makes a person feel like out of, out of their element, but you just have such like a, a calming energy and such a matter of factness about this that just, it's really inspiring. And I don't know if you've ever been told that before, but like, I really picked up on that with you. You're like, yeah, this is this is brushing your teeth. This is waking up. Like, if you do these things, this is cause and effect. This isn't like, well, it depends on blah 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 blah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think I, I really value that. And Joe, you could learn it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Joe does the same thing. That's why I love him too, because he's very even keel. But it's that, that's not, awesome, it's Amy. I appreciate that very much. Right. I, I will tell you that's one of the things we try to teach, and I call it sitting at the bar selling. Okay, so have you ever? seeing somebody who might be having a conversation like we're having right here. And then when they get into a sales situation, they go, Hey Joe, how are you doing, man? What's going on? I hope you're having a fantastic day. How can I help you have a better day? And their, their voice goes up an octave and they speed their. T- and I always say, if, if you were literally sitting down at a bar, having a beer with your friend and your friend said, Hey Joe, what do you do? Would you go, well, let me tell you, this is what I do. No, you just, you'd just be like, have a conversation with them. And that's the people that sell the most. Just learn to have a conversation and don't act or look like a salesperson because people don't like salespeople. You're, you're silent, Joe. Yes, I am. There you go. There you go. But at least it's, at least I'm able to turn back on Tom Bosick, the Facebook user with no face is said the elevator emotions that you get to watch it all happen on the same person as their yes. emotions go up and down. You know what, though? When you say that, I think one of the reasons why that is is because when somebody is that high like that, I almost get this vision of who they are on the other side. Like when they're like, like when, okay, we went to the Park West option uh, auction, the paintings, you know, and the people are just so like, oh, yeah. And it's like you can just see that when they turn the corner, they're like snapping at their employee. Like you feel <laughs> that in – disingenuousness in that and i think that's why that because if it's that high then it's that low too you know what i mean and you know i think that's a really good point. for the people that can see me on the screen this is what you do when somebody does that <laughs> <It's> so true 
I backed up about four feet, by the way. <laughs> it is. It, it is. It, but it, imagine when you see the waitress sitting over at the waitress station talking to somebody else all pissed off and then walks up to your table and goes, hi, welcome <laughs> to someone. And you're like, oh, somebody flipped on the sales switch. Yes. Having a chain of restaurants, that's very relevant to me, Joe. Yes. <laughs> and I tell people all the time, I go, the, the waitress can make the food taste better or worse. 100%. Right? Yeah. On them. Yep. 100%. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, Brian, thank you so much for spending your time with us here today. Thanks for answering the questions as they popped up and came in. Um, Tom Bosick, thanks for coming in, throwing your, uh, your, your, your slide remarks up there all the time. I love it. Right. So that's fantastic. Thanks to everybody who tuned in, everyone who's going to tune in. This will be live on the Sales Genius Podcast in a week. So, Brian, thank you so much. Go out, get Brian's book. Amy Lee, thanks for joining us today. Right. And everybody else, just go out and sell something. Thanks. Joe and, Joe and Amy, thanks. <laughs>